and welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC. I'm your host, Sean Fry. I have my favorite guest, and anybody else who's ever been on the show can come and fight me about it. <laughs> Scott Marlowe is in the studio today, voice of the Parsons Vikings for KOKC. And Scott, you and I are both Chiefs fans, but this is my show, so you can just sit here and talk for 20 minutes while I wallow in their loss to the, San Diego, <laughs> to the Los Angeles Chargers. How's that sound to you, Scott? <laughs> it, that was frustrating. It that, that's, was, That's about man. as frustrating of the loss as... as you, the last two have it, been it particularly tough. tough. And you sit there and wonder to a degree, like, man, none of those two games, like, which were really close and came down to some 50-50 calls, just a lot of 50-50 nebulous things out there when it comes to football. Neither of the two went the Chiefs' way. And, and as frustrating as that is, maybe that's a little comforting to me, too. I look at our, I look at the Chiefs' schedule. It's the Browns, the Ravens, and the Chargers. Name two other teams in the AFC besides the Chiefs that are better than them. Yeah, I know. You, I, I disagree. You got, Whereas got, the Broncos got the Jaguars in their first one of their right. first three games. Like I love the Broncos schedule right now. Yeah, so, I'm not. I'm not really too worried about the Chiefs no. at this point. I think if they get through their say their first eight games, even sitting at four and four, mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to be guaranteed to make the playoffs because the back agree. half of the schedule is a lot softer. Absolutely. One thing, what I was thinking, I watch most football, I watch almost every single Chiefs game at Kurt Freeze's house. Bless the former Parsons football coach. The ultimate high of winning eight games and getting a deep playoff run and then the low of a two-win season. That man, right. even Stevens, he has like an 11-11 <laughs> record. I think he has a 10-10 and record. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you look at, um, you look at the Chiefs schedule and you look at just how the playoffs normally check out. I, I thought this walking out of his house, I thought, can the Chiefs go eleven and five? Well, that means they have to go ten and three down the down their final thirteen games. I think the Chiefs are a team capable of going ten and thirteen, given the schedule. And most eleven and five teams not only make the playoffs, they're probably the one or two seed. And don't forget, seventeen game schedule this year. It, this really should be Scott's show. Really, he knows more than I do. <laughs> so, Hardly. <laughs> But no, you're right. Eleven and five, or in this case, even 12 and eleven, five, and, 11, si- 11 and, six. and six, or twelve and five, mm-hmm. good chance of getting in. And I, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people listening right now probably watched the game. First three possessions, turnovers. Yeah, could have easily been touchdowns on all three drives. Absolutely, they, they seem to be driving Chiefs it. Should well. have won that game. I can, I can say the Ravens earned that win. I don't think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs threw that game away. Yeah. And I think another team that should have won that we're, we're going to talk about here for the next 10 or so minutes, a team that should have won on Friday night is the Parsons Vikings. And this is a game that will be seared into a lot of memories for a lot of different reasons, I think. First off, so just to recap to any listeners who didn't hear or haven't read the Parsons Sun, which, let me remind you, I'm also the sports editor of the Parsons Sun. Go subscribe to the local newspaper. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh Parsons falls to Galena week four of the season. They're down. They're to a two and two record, zero and one in district play. But but Galena, a they are a power in Southeast Kansas. There is no getting around that. There's no modifiers added to that. Galena is one of the best teams in Southeast Kansas, especially over the last decade. Parsons is up on them through three quarters, and then Galena scores twice in the fourth, or maybe two times, or maybe once in the third, once in the fourth. But Parsons was up most of that game and tied and tied the and tied up through the duration of it until the last second. Parsons loses this game 14 to 6. They lose it on a game-winning touchdown pass from Brett Sarwinski, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the area, to Tyler Little, who is one of the best wide receivers in the area. 
if you're going to lose on a last play, there might not be two players in the league or in the area, in the region, on the same team that you would not want to face more than them. Yeah, it was... I, I don't know how familiar the Viking fans were uh, with Galena, but I can guarantee you everybody that was rooting for Galena, they were they were all watching one guy mm-hmm. on that last play. They were watching Little. Yeah. Because they knew, they knew that's where the ball was going to go. And, of course, Coach Scheibe and his assistants, they all knew it was going to go to Little, and they defended it very well. They did. They yeah. took a perfect pass and a tremendous catch by a D1 prospect Mm -hmm. in the corner of the end zone to win that game. And I want to say a couple things. First, Tyler Lill, I interviewed him him after the game. He is a kind, eloquent, respectful, energetic young man. He seems like he is raised right. Nobody at Parsons should have a negative thing to say about him. He made a great play. And obviously, I don't know the guy... I don't. I, I didn't raise the guy. I don't. I don't cover him day to day. But in the two minute interaction I had with him, my, my I was impressed just with his ability to interact with the reporter. Obviously, he played a great football game. Made a big play at the end. Nobody should be mad at Tyler. And I want to. I want to put that out of the front. Secondly, I, you know, I wanted to show you this live. So I filmed the play. I went to the back of the. You know, just to give people an idea of what I do on. Friday nights. I'm obviously roaming the sidelines normally during football games. And I usually try to stand around Devin Martinez and Andy Hopper, who kind of are a tag team and keeping stats for the Parsons football team. Shout out to Devin Martinez and Andy Hopper. But uh, I, I usually kind of tag around them during Friday nights. Right as Galena was, they, I believe someone took a timeout, whether it was Parsons or Galena. Someone took a timeout before the last play. And so I, 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 have a, I have my camera that's a, a, a big Nikon D7200 with a big lens. It probably weighs about 10 to 15 pounds. I, I unclipped it from my, from my strap that I had on or harnessed around me, and I handed the camera to Andy Hopper, and I said, can you hold this for me? And he, and he did it without asking. Brooke, must, Brooke Hopper, the volleyball coach at Parsons, must love him. He does just most things without, <laughs> without any resistance. If somebody tells him to do something, he does it immediately. <laughs> but... Um, but I go to the back of the end because I'm because this is just one thing I've learned, and it's the same. It's similar concepts with basketball or baseball. You know, basketball. If there's ten seconds left, I, I have my phone filming it because I know there might be a buzzer beater. There are four seconds left on this in this Parsons Galena game. It was a tie game, I believe, on fourth down. You might want to correct me there. It, or, or it, it was four it, seconds left. It was, gonna it, be the it was the last play. play. It was the last play of the game. It was going to be no from the seventeen what. yard yeah. line. Yep. It was going to be the last play of the game, so I said, I got to go film this because there might be a game-winning touchdown. So I go to the back of the end zone, and sure enough, I'm able to film what is the game-winning touchdown from Galena and Parsons, the pass from Brett Sarwinski to Tyler Little in the back left corner of the end zone. The immediate reaction from a lot of Parsons fans and a lot of Parsons players, natural, which is either A, he caught it out of bounds because that ball was right on the sideline, or B, that Tyler Little pushed off, which you see a lot in those types of situations. You're sitting up in the booth while I'm sitting up at the end zone. So one thing I wanted to do with you here on this radio show uh, this week, Scott, is I want to show you the film that I got of this play. We're going to play it live, and I want you to give me a reaction to whether you think this was a push-off. We're not going to get great depth perception right. whether he caught it in bounds. It sure looks like he caught it in bounds, at least in my opinion, on this film. But I'm going to play this game live, 
And to give anybody listening to this show and you, Scott, a context of where we are, Brett Tarwinski is right about to throw this pass. So we're playing in 3-2-1. And I'm going to scrub it a little bit so you can just see the slow motion. Okay. He's catching the ball right now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause and I'm going to zoom in a little bit and we're going to re and we're going to refresh. Zoom back out. Okay. Scrub forward. We'll move down a little bit. Tile a little going up, coming down. You know, it without having that camera angle right on the sideline, it's impossible to say for sure. It does look clean. Yeah. To me, and as far as a push in the back, there may have been may have been the slightest so, one. The, I think there was, but probably not enough to warrant a flag. I, I will say this, and you and I basically had this conversation off air before we went on air here today on the war room. If that flag is called, I'm livid if I'm a Galena fan. I'm sitting here saying that contact happens every single play of the game. Like, you're calling, I would be livid. One thing I wanted to kind of address with you, and I don't know how you've ever necessarily experienced this in what was your athletic career. To be honest, Scott, and I'm kind of ashamed of this, beyond tennis, I don't really know what your athletic career consisted of when you were in high school. No, that's it. I didn't. I would have played, uh, played baseball mm -hmm. if tennis hadn't been a spring sport. You couldn't do dual sports yeah. back then. So if tennis had been play, was in the fall, I would have played baseball in the mm -hmm. spring. But one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is... Part of an evolution maybe I've had it as an adult, which is, and it started my senior year at college, and maybe it's just because it happened to me, and it happened to my team, and I was like, man, this sucks. I don't want to have it to anybody else, but my senior year at college, working for K-State men's basketball, we lost to Texas at Texas on a buzzer beater, and I will never forget the 48 hours I spent after that, and again, I was just a manager. I didn't play. I didn't go out there and freaking play. It sucked, and it it, it it weighs on you, and you just sit there, and it's similar to close losses, but it's even worse. Like a close loss in almost any sport, you can pick to one, two, three plays that were 50-50, that if you just went your way, maybe you would have won it. It's almost easier to get blown out, I think, sometimes in sports, because then you can just mm -hmm. say, they were better than us, and it wasn't our day. That's, right. You know, time to move on. But, you know... Parson, the Parsons football team, I think you and I can agree, and I want to expand on this as we go back to is when we come out of break here in a few minutes, but the Parsons football team is, one, I think much improved this year, and two, they're much improved in the area they needed to improve. They're, mm. they're more physical. They're a better running team. They can stop the run a lot better. They're physical along the lines, and you have Jeff Shivey, head coach, the second-year head coach of this team, fourth year on the staff. He was the offensive coordinator under Kurt Freeze for two years. He has been very anxious to prove to the community that he can take this team and make them what he envisions is capable of, the, of this community doing, which is having a physical football team. And we've seen that in Parsons. But now a team that has really had something to prove, they're going to have to carry the pain of what is this, the football equivalent. It, it's not really a football equivalent. It's the equivalent of a buzzer-beater loss. Right. And I'm curious, you've been an athlete, you've witnessed this community for a lot of times. What's your reaction to how high school kids might deal with that going forward in this fall? 
Well, it's it's tough, and I I talked to one of the assistants the day after the game, and he said they the team had already gotten together Saturday morning, I think it was, or early Saturday afternoon. I can't remember when it was. Got together. I don't know if they had ate, ate a little bit and and just and really just kind of started the healing process because it is tough. Like it is a healing process. It's not you know they didn't lose a state championship on the last play of the game, but you know Jeff really wanted a signature win for this program. He feels like he earned it. And they had it. And it, it was kind of the uh, the kind of flipped from what the Chiefs did today. The Chiefs kept handing the ball over to the Chargers. Oh, here. Turnover, yeah. fumble, interception, you know, four times today. The Vikings did an outstanding job. They had four takeaways. Four score off four a single fumbles. one of them. Yeah, and they they didn't take advantage of it. And so that that's what hurt. And you know, I I, I I say it once in a while on the air. I try, I try to avoid using cliches, but you know fo- <laughs> that you hear it all the time. Football is a game of inches, and you think back to um, I can't remember who almost got into the end zone. Um, he got down to inside the one yard line, and then against Lubeck County, or no, you against about against Galena, we were up six zero, and we threw a pass, I believe, and the receiver got. Inside the five, down to the two. Then they spun him forward and got down to the one. I think it might have been Anthony Posier. No, I'm thinking Friday night. Oh, you're thinking Friday night. Friday night against Galena. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his name. Who's number one? It's Deion Sylvester, isn't it? Sylvester. Sylvester got down to inside the one, and then we ran Washington on on first down. He got about half a yard, and then we had a penalty. And that was at the end of the first half. I wrote that in my recap that... You can look at the final play all you want, and that's going to be seared into mm-hmm. a lot of memories. The highest leverage moment of that entire game was that penalty mm-hmm. on Parsons on first and goal or second and goal from the one in the final minute of the first half where you have an opportunity to go up two scores. They get a penalty that moves them back five five yards to the six, and they don't score off that. To me, that is what... And I said this to Anthony Hopper and Devin Martinez on the sideline. I said... If Parsons lo- and I said it at halftime, I said if Parsons loses that game, that's why. Mm-hmm. And I I stand by it. I agree. I mean they they were there and 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 you know Coach Shiby he knows you know no uh, offense intended to you but <laughs> he knows twice as much as you and I do combined about football. I, maybe, no question. Maybe maybe, it. maybe a hundred times more. <laughs> you know. So I mean, and he knows he knows what he's doing. He knows that the penalties have to stop. Uh, I know the coaching staff was upset that there was only one penalty called on Galena. <laughs> I don't think they were upset that so many were called on Parsons because I mean a false start is a false start. Yeah, you can't argue that. You know, we we made some uh, made some mistakes. What Galena did to draw Parsons offside, false start a lot, causing the false start was their shift their defense. They shifted line. their defense defensive line several times. Good yep. for them. You know, I want to talk more about Jeff Shivey. I want to talk. I want to mention something that I was impressed with him. But we got to go to break. Okay. okay. You want to stick with me, Scott Marlowe? I'll stick around. Scott Marlowe, voice of the Parsons Vikings, here on KLKC Radio on the War Room. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. And we're back here on the War Room here on KLKC. I'm your host, Sean Fry. My favorite guest, Scott Marlowe, voice of the Parsons Vikings, here on KLKC, is my guest today. We were talking about the Parsons Galena game, Parsons football in general. And one thing I wanted to mention to you, Scott, and I'm going to I'm gonna brag a little bit. I get to shoot my photos and cover my game from the sideline, and you're stuck up there in the booth calling the radio. And I got a bit of insight for you that 
not a lot of people, probably nobody else outside of the team, me, Andy Hopper, Devin Martinez, and a few of the sideline and a few of the game day workers that work on the sideline got to hear. And I would argue it may be just me, Devin, and Andy that have the most insight to this outside of that team in general is I don't think I've ever seen a coach have an opponent scouted better than Jeff Scheibe had Galena scouted. And for it to have come into loss, you're thinking what well, he lost the game, how they lose if, if he had them perfectly scouted. One, Galena's, Galena really is that good, and they're that well coached, and they are, they're, again, I just am going to reiterate, they are a power in Southeast Kansas. Galena is a power in Southeast Kansas. If Parsons wins that game, that's a bigger win than I think. That's a bigger individual win than I think any win of the 2018 team outside of maybe Prairie View. Remember the 2018 team that won eight games and made a deep run in the playoffs? They didn't beat Galena. Right. And they could have won. And that was a district championship game here in Marble Park. And they got walled by Galena. I remember it well. And how, how do I know Jeff Scheibe had them scouted so well? I've never seen this. At any level of any sport before, Jeff Scheibe at least 20 times, and that's just because it was the 20 times I could hear him, at least 20 times correctly called the play that Galena's offense was going to run, whether it was a quarterback sweep left or a pass right or a handoff to number two left or a slant with Tyler Little, something along those lines. I watched him at least and heard him at least 20 times Right on the money, correctly get, predict or say what was going to happen. I've never seen a coach that well prepared, that able to scout and guess. I somehow wonder to a degree, was he just lucky? Because I don't <laughs> know how it's possible to get that scouted on an opponent. Because there's there's five or six or, or, or a dozen, depending on how deep you are into your playbook, you can run dozen or dozens of plays out of the same formation. Right. How do you get that scouted on it? I'm curious what just what are you thinking? Well, that yeah, that blows my mind because I I know I know coaches watch film, but like like you say, mm-hmm. you have multiple formations, but then you can run so many plays out of each formation, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, sometimes they had uh, single running back. Sometimes they had three running backs. Uh, and Galena's a good team, by the way. It's not like they're. It's not like they only right. have one or two playmakers that you can essentially just key in on. Yeah, I mean we like. were. Yeah, it was that, that. That that is amazing. But I'll tell you that kind of coincides with the post game interview I had uh, with Coach Shibe after the game. You know, he was mm-hmm. <laughs> poor guy. Can barely talk by the time by the time the game's over. And he he was, I would say he was every bit as distraught after that loss, as Anthony Houck was after the Viking basketball team lost to Kansas City Piper. And you know how much Anthony Houck cares about his basketball team. And, and, and Jeff, was, he, it, he, it, it hit him really, really hard. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He'll rebound. The team will rebound. But, you know, just four games into the season. I think in the acute, you're right. Because you're, you bring that up, and it's almost like a light bulb flash in my eyes. I'm not, you know, I talked to Jeff Shibe after that game, obviously, as well. I sat right outside your studio, and I was like, I'm just going to intercept this man and talk to him uh, for my post-game interview. And I, you're right, his voice was so hoarse. I had to hold the phone right up to his mouth so I could even hear him. He was extremely upset. I could tell just how much it was weighing on him. By the way, there are some coaches, high school and college, at all levels, by the way, it's not just Southeast Kansas. I'm not picking on anybody, but there are coaches that won't sit there 
and answer questions after losses. Yeah. Much less as eloquently as Jeff Scheibe does. But he sat there in front of you and in front of me and took our questions like a man. And Absolutely. answered them, not just to answer them and get it done <laughs> with, answered them from his heart. Right. And gave us real answers. You have no idea how much that means to us, Scott. And I think it me- it means a lot. And it means a lot to the listeners and the readers, too. Yeah, it's uh, w- one of the toughest parts of my job, and I'm sure the toughest part of your job, mm-hmm. is conducting those kinds of interviews. After, after a brutal loss yeah. like that. It's easier after a blowout. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> if it's a blowout loss or if the home, you know, the, the good guys win, so to speak, those are easy. Yeah. Those are fun, no problem. But yeah, after a brutal loss like that, uh, it's no fun. You know, I don't really want to do it. I know Coach Shibe really doesn't want to do it, but you're right. You know, he came up. He the- doesn't do it and do it in 30 seconds or a minute, Get give canned answers and get out of there. He sits <laughs> right. there and answers his questions thoughtfully. Right. If anything, I think he gives better interviews after tough losses. Yeah, that could be. That could be. He, uh, you know, he's well, one one thing that the community finally has uh, with Jeff Shibe. We've got a head coach. Not only does he care, most likely we're t- we're talking maybe a you know I, I don't have a crystal ball, but you know we could be looking at a twenty year tenure as the Viking <laughs> football coach, possibly. And considering and, and how, last, how great would that be? Considering the last three head coaches have only lasted two years, and David Pitts before him only oh before that stretch only lasted three. That is. That is, I don't mean to, that is why the Parsons football program has taken a nosedive right. outside of 2018. That's why the Parsons football program has struggled, in my opinion, is the constant revolving door of coaches. And Jeff Scheibe tells me time and time and time again, I am here for the long haul. I don't care what are Parsons ends their seasons this year. I promise you, Scott, the last question I'm going to ask him after the last Parsons game of the season is, Will you be back for year three? Because it would be the first time in a decade that a coach has done that. Will you be back? Yeah. And, and the, the answer is going to be yes. I agree. <laughs> and But you mentioned just how hurt Jeff Scheibe was by the loss. And we, we could hear it. We could feel it. it. It's almost odd that you mentioned the Piper loss at the Parsons Boys basketball experience with Anthony Houck. Because I think you're right. I think... That was probably the toughest interview I ever had with Anthony Howe. Mm-hmm. Again, credit to Anthony Howe. He comes out and answers our questions. Right. But there's, and I'm not saying one's better than the other or anything like that. We're not com- we're not contrasting, but we're ju- we're just kind of pointing to two similar things here. The game Anthony Howe lost was a state was a state quarterfinal. That was and really a state championship. Real, yes, that, let's be real. That was a state championship that played through. Piper did go on to win that state title. This was what Jeff Scheibe was feeling that we're comparing to how Anthony Houck felt, what Jeff Scheibe felt. That was week four. Yeah. That was week four. Now, I'll, I'll let listeners in, and I don't know how happy Jeff Scheibe is going to be that I revealed this, but Thursday night, it's probably like 9, 9.30, and I am I just left the Parsons Sun office, headed home for the night to go play Xbox for the next six hours, <laughs> <laughs> and I get a text from his wife. I get a text from Bria Scheibe, and she says, I'm Sean Fry, vroom, vroom, and I'm like, what? Well, I pull into my apartment. The Scheibes have been following me for about half a oh. mile, <laughs> and they pull up next to me. And we catch up a little bit, and they and they you know they love to they love to needle me a lot, and I and you know those are the times I can ask Jeff or anybody when they pull up to my apartment at the middle of the night when we're not when I don't have a phone interview in their face, 
That's the most honest answer I ever get. And I sat there and I asked Jeff, "Will you? what are you thinking for tomorrow? And he goes, if we can make some plays and get some takeaways for some turnovers, we can beat them. Yeah. And so... How does think about how that sinks in twenty four hours later? His his gut reaction, knowing he wouldn't be held accountable to it, so he's speaking the ultimate mm-hmm. truth is: if we can get takeaways, we'll win. They had freaking four of them, and they didn't. He's got to be hurting after that. Yeah, it was. I, I know it was frustrating for for him and the the kids, the, the whole coaching staff, and you know, heck, it's even frustrating for you and me. You know, because yeah, obviously we we're, you know, you write for the Parsons Sun, I do the. KLKC radio thing, and uh, yeah, we want Parsons to win every single time out. And <laughs> how'd you call yeah, that play? By the way, what was kind of your re- what was your emotion when you called that play on radio? The last touchdown to Tyler Little. Well, uh, my emotion was um, there was probably a, an element of excitement just yeah. because it was a game-winning touchdown on the last play of the game, which and- I probably have never done. In my eight or nine years of doing Viking football, I can't think. Off you've the top probably of my done. Head. A, you've done a few buzzer beaters. Probably there's been but some never buzzer a... beaters, and, uh, and and there's certainly been some uh, exciting games. Well, that are let, let's not let's not talk about buzzer beaters because the first thing that came to my mind was that Fort Scott fiasco from a few years ago. <laughs> I <remember that. laughs> so I don't want to go and I don't want to open up that can of worms again. But um, you know, it was. It, it, it was disappointing, and, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, w- when you're on the air live and you're doing a broadcast and, and then a play like that happens, you, I honestly never know what's going to come out of my mouth. It's just all kind of spontaneous. Um, but, I, you know, I just called what I saw, which was that Little went up above everybody and uh, came down with the ball, and, you know, you, I'm so far away from the action. Yeah, we're, we're positioned right at the 50-yard line, which is nice for most of the plays, but when there's a play in the corner of the end zone, literally the other side yeah, of the other, you almost couldn't the, be further from it. <laughs> right. So I, I, all I could do, I saw, I knew that he had caught it. I knew mm-hmm. that he had caught it. I didn't know if he was going to come down in bounds or not. So I just had to look at the official over there and I saw him give the touchdown signal and that was it. I will, I, I don't really want to stir the pot too much here, but I, I will say this. I think it was a clean catch. I think it was a legitimate touchdown, but I was told that Little had been knocked out, literally knocked out the previous play, mm-hmm. wobbled off to the sidelines, and should not have been allowed to come back into the game because of you know concussion protocol type yeah. stuff. And I do the, know that's and the, the officials rule. If you, if you leave with in. an injury, you're supposed to set out a play. What I don't know is two things. One, was Little involved in an injury before that play? I don't know that answer. Yeah, that's, I was told by one of the Parsons coaches, actually two Parsons coaches, that he was. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him wobbling off the field, but I wasn't really looking for it either. Secondly, I do know that Galena took a timeout before that play. Does a timeout burn that play he would have to sit yeah, out? Yeah, it's possible. And I actually, I want to say, don't. I'm not 100% sure. I think Parsons had to call a defensive timeout before that last play. Which was smart, by the way. Which was, I think they just saw, I think they kind of, I don't know if, uh, obviously somebody, most likely Coach Shawby, saw something that didn't look right, or he just wanted to see how Galena was going to line up. He had done that in the first half. He said, I yeah. want to call timeout after I see how they're lined up. Yeah. So my guess is he did the exact same thing. So, and you know, he, they, they defended it well. You know, I, I think back to, oh, uh, you talk about, you know, buzzer beaters. For some reason, every buzzer beater I think of, it's Parsons losing. I'm going to have to do better at That's being, what I, being, being I was more thinking positive, that in my head but, about 60 to 120 seconds ago. I was like, 
I was thinking about what buzzer beaters you could have called since I've been here or what final plays you could have gone here. And I was like, I don't think any of them have gone Parsons away outside of the Parsons girls beating St. Right. Paul. Yeah, that, at the I remember Classic. that one very well. Dream from the corner. Yep. And it was, uh, I don't even know if you A were. A couple girls have hit buzzer beaters since you've been here in girls basketball. Mike Kroll had like three or four of them. <laughs> and I, I bet at least one of them was against Indy. He had Indy's yes. number. Uh, Megan for... Heisey hit a buzzer beater against Indy to beat them, and Indy was winning the SEK League. Do you know how I know that? It was because I was at Labette County that night. Labette County was at home in Parsons with Indy. So that's why I was at Labette County. Labette County overtook the SEK lead because mm. of that loss. Okay. And all yeah. I know that I, the only reason I found out that Parsons won that night before I got back to the office was a bunch of Labette County girls were celebrating that Parsons <laughs> beat Indy because now they were in first place. <laughs> and there was, I do remember Megan Heisey with another buzzer beater in overtime down at Coffeyville. Coffeyville had mm-hmm. led the entire game. Parsons led only one time that night. And was that when was they hit the last the shot. The last shot of the game in overtime. She hit it with about two or three seconds left, and yep. Coffeyville just got off a half-court heave. Um, Nina Taylor was on a girls' basketball team at Parsons' Sun for four years. Four times teams that she was on won on buzzer beaters. Nina Taylor didn't shoot a single yeah, one Yeah, that's them. hard to believe, isn't it? Right? <laughs> In fact, I believe half the time, I believe for two of the four, she was fouled out. She was on the bench. She was. Yep, yep. <laughs> And uh, well, and the the one I just mentioned down in Coffeyville, um, Shay mm-hmm. Shay Kelly was was yes. the big leader. I think she packed, I think mm-hmm. she scored thirty seven points that night at Coffeyville, but she wasn't on the floor for that game winner. She had fouled out, so mm-hmm. you just never know. But I also remember, um, I'm sure you remember this too. First round of Substate uh, playing, I think a, one of the Wichita schools was it was it then when they were and, at collegiate or at. Uh, I can't remember. It was, we were, I know we were playing a Wichita school in the first round of Substate. We there were, were up a light blue one. school in the Wichita yeah. area, and I remember you were playing a Wichita. I was there. I can't you remember. Were there you were there because you filmed with you filmed yeah. the last play and here again. It was, just it was like, all a tip in, if I remember correctly. Yep, they missed. We defended it as well as you could possibly defend it, mm-hmm. just like the Viking football team did Friday night. But the three pointer came off on an odd angle, and they had a tall kid. They just went up, tapped it, and it went in as the buzzer sounded and. Unfortunately, he was at sports. Yep. You know, you you can defend something as well as you can possibly defend it, and sometimes it still doesn't go your way. One looking ahead, we got about two minutes left. Looking ahead, Parsons plays Baxter Springs, and I'll say this as diplomatically as possible, even though this is the worm. Mm-hmm. Baxter Springs isn't Galena. <laughs> they, yeah. You know, Parsons should, you know, in their district. There's one or two teams that they would love to see coming off that loss, to, that type of loss to Galena, and Baxter Springs is absolutely one of them. In fact, I think I'd pick Baxter Springs even over Cherryville. Yeah, I know. I think Baxter only. I think I heard they have 23 kids out total. Cherryville only has like 18, by the way. Wow. So you know, and Baxter's had some great athletes over the last five years. Now these last couple of years, you know, they're, they're they are they're in a rebuilding process. They're in a dry spell. That's high school sports for for, for virtually yeah. every high school. Um, so yeah, it, they, they are going to struggle. I don't I don't even know if they've scored this year. Don't they I'd may have, have to go look at that? But, but it I, sounds right. <laughs> I, I, think, I think they lost just last week. Did they lose I know 50, they got fifty two to zero or something. I know they got shut out in their last game. So you know they, they they struggled on both sides of the ball, and that that's just how it is. But so I agree with you. Having a loss like that Friday night, um, Parsons has an opportunity to rebound. With, you know, I'm never going to say oh, it should be an easy win, but they should be able to go out 
And if they play like they've been playing the first four weeks, yes, including their two losses, including their two losses, if they come out and play that hard and that physical, they will win. You and I have talked for last minute. You and I have talked basically almost as long as the show has been around and longer than that. Mm -hmm. Parsons needs a better line. I think top to bottom, this is the most physical and best line Parsons has had in the eight, in the seven eight years that I've been here. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, it's you, you were part of the that wonderful twenty nine game losing streak, you know, that the program <laughs> was, had. I came and, in right when that in the middle of that. Yeah, that was not fun to cover. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was brutal. It was brutal. It really was. And what you saw over and over again uh, was an inability to run the ball. But the biggest thing that inability to stop the run. I mean, I've never... They were just huge. Galena's biggest plays were passes. Galena yeah. is a power-running team, and their biggest plays, even outside of the last touchdown, were passes. That shows how improved Parsons is against the run, is that a power-running team had to beat them on the pass. Yeah, it's... I, I know coaches are not into moral victories because moral victories follow a loss, and uh, <laughs> and they're not... You know, they're, they're not going to make excuses. No. But... Um, Man, this this team is right there. Right this there. team is right there, and if they can just take, if they can take, keep taking care of the football, which they've done pretty good job of uh, the first few weeks, if they can be opportunistic, cut back on the penalties, you know they they've got a chance to do some things. Absolutely, I think a top. I think the biggest thing that we can wonder about Parsons football is. Not necessarily will they win the district. They're capable of it, but they would need help at this point because Galena is the only team. Galena would control their own destiny. They would need Galena probably to drop two on their way to losing the district. Right. But can Parsons finish in the top two and get a home playoff game against another district that includes Gerard, Prairie View, Frontenac, mm-hmm. all these teams that are very competitive? Right. Can they can they host one of those teams? Yeah. That's where it gets interesting. That's what I think Parsons capable of it's possible you absolutely know, i know columbus is always tough we know what caney's gonna do and what they bring to the table but it Terryville is, it and is, baxter springs should be if you're if you want to play if you want to host a playoff game you got beat Terryville and Baxter. well yeah those, if they don't those, beat those two, two that, that ain't happening those two you have to win and then you know i i think columbus is a winnable game i think caney is a winnable game and that's Could, it that's the left and that's, that's, what's that's left. it so in anything's possible. Obviously, everybody would be feeling a lot better about things if they had won Friday night. Mm-hmm. That's life. That's sports. You just got to sweep it under the rug. Move on. Absolutely. That'll do it for the War Room here on KOKC. Scott, thanks for coming in, man. You're the Thank best. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. Uh, that'll do it here on the War Room. Stay safe. God bless. Get vaccinated.